Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. All right. Well, let's move on in the name of the Lord. I am. Um, I, I want to give a, a quick shout out to all of our, um, all of our uh, hosts and our leaders, our small group leaders. Can we thank God for our hosts, our small group leaders? If you host or you are you lead a small group, just wave your hand, put your hand up high. Come on, let's thank God for them. Chris is over here. Look at this, y'all. Look at this. It's amazing. Thank you guys for your service. It is not easy. You know, there, there are two ministries in the church, uh, both in which I have done that are very taxing and honestly uh, have the most turnover. And that is children's ministry. It's a lot to watch kids. And then also small groups, which is why we do them in cycles, six to eight weeks, somewhere around there. We'll typically do uh, small groups to give our small group leaders and our host a break. It's a lot to drag people into your home, prepare and then host, and then, you know, leave, and then we got to, you know, clean up. Even if y'all clean up, it ain't nothing like your, your own clean up. Your own, your own wipe down. But small groups is, is extremely biblical. You know, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 is very clear. It says that day by day, entering the temple and breaking bread in their homes. So in other words, there was a moment where the body came together corporately, and then there was a moment where they scattered and they got together in smaller groups. And so as the church continues to get bigger, by God's grace, I'm grateful for the, the numeric growth of Epiphany Church. But as the church gets bigger, it should get smaller. It should feel smaller. You should feel connected. You should not go and not know anybody and not be known. But small groups help us to facilitate community. And as I thank God for the small group leaders and the hosts, I just want to thank God for our um, community life director, Chris, uh, Louis, Louis John. And I love that brother. I love him dearly. So thank you guys. If you're not in a small group, um, we, we encourage you to, to get in one. And if you don't make this cycle, it will swing back around um, because small groups is the lifeline of how we do community here. So many people are like, well, how do I get in? How do I fit in? Well, small groups, because then you learn people and then discipleship can happen from there. And then when there's a need in the body, typically I'm saying, well, what small group do you go to? Because I believe that the small group should be able to come around that person. And we have seen that um, time and time again. All right, let's get into the word of God. Deuteronomy 8 says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are a church that loves the word unapologetically. And so we'll, we'll dig in today. Pick me up. Philippians 3. Pick me up in verse number 12. Watch the words of Paul. Not that I have already obtained this. I am already perfect, but I press. Somebody say I press. To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I made it on my own. But one thing I do, please make note of this next phrase, forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead. Somebody in this room got a t-shirt with verse 14 on it. I press toward the goal for the prize, for the upward call in Christ Jesus. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Greater Ahead. Can you just look at somebody that really needs this encouragement and just say, there's greater ahead? Come on, look at somebody else and just say, I know it don't feel like it, but there's actually greater. There's greater ahead. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, we, we, we don't approach your word any old way. We, we do so with humility and reverence, realizing that we are opening up 
not just words on a page, but your breathed word. This is your word that, that will not return void. This is your word that we live by, that shapes our lives, that saves us, that sustains us, that shows us our King Jesus. So Father, today, may I handle it with precision and care. May I add nothing to this text. May I take nothing away. May Paul's words, which were good to the church at Philippi, be good to us today. In Jesus' name, we give glory. Somebody say amen. amen. Brader ahead. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware or you're, you're paying attention, but uh, Epiphany Church is actually coming up on our seventh year anniversary. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about that we as a church are going into another year. We will be celebrating our anniversary Sunday on March 26th. This is not a this is a shameless plug, I guess. My, my pastor, Dr. Eric Mason, will be with us that Sunday. It's going to be fire. I mean, we, we just gonna, we're going gonna to worship Jesus and thank God for his uh, continued faithfulness. And as we continue to, as God continues, I shouldn't say we, as God continues to add to the number of years of the church, I really think it's important for me to prophetically speak into the church as a whole. But don't miss this. I also want to speak into you as an individual. Because the church of God, the body is made up of individuals, of people. Everybody that's sitting in this room has a story, has a testimony, has something that they're working through. And I, I believe that God has called me this, this week to prophetically speak into our church. And uh, honestly, I don't know if this is going to hit prof in a profound way. This may not even sound profound. My, my old boss used to say, love every idea for the first five minutes. So just act like it's profound, even if it's not but, but this is what, what I, genuinely, I genuinely believe. I genuinely believe that the next season of our church and the next season of your life, don't miss this, has the potential to be greater. I, I, I genuinely believe that. And I, I know it doesn't feel like, all right, Pastor B, that's, you know, I've heard that before. But I genuinely believe, and here's why, because we serve a God that has an expectation that every season that we go through, we should be pursuing him greater and greater and greater and greater. There is never a dead season in your life. It should always be moving. This is why 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 18 says, we move from glory to glory. Now, of course, the context of that, that verse that Paul gives in 2 Corinthians 3, honestly, the first application of that is how we move from spiritual sanctification here on earth to graduating to heaven. So he's talking about the transition from earth to heaven. But I do think there's a secondary application. And here's that secondary application that God wants us to experience a piece of heaven here on earth. You know, that sense of shalom that you're going to have in heaven. A sense of, of fullness, that sense of peace, that sense of contentment. So God expects that here on earth, we would be growing in our pursuit of the greater of him. So I, I believe that is for the church. I believe that the church should be moving and growing and, 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 and greater, going to seasons of greater. And I also believe that as an individual for you as well. Let me slip some quick Bible. If you guys are taking notes, I'm going to say these real quick. So try to keep up here. Second, second Peter chapter three, verse 18. Watch the word, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's an expectancy that you're going to grow. Hebrews chapter six, verse one. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and move forward to maturity. First Peter chapter two, verse two and three, like newborn babies crave this pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up 
in salvation. There is greater ahead, but please don't miss this. The greater ahead is tied to your spiritual health. Because let's be honest, everything that is healthy should grow. Now, it is not the overall metric for health, but it is one of them. So in other words, as something begins to grow, as your spiritual life begins to grow, as the maturity of Epiphany Church begins to grow, I believe that is a sign of health. I remember my boys were younger. They're they're 19 and 17. Can we thank God for my boys, man? They've been serving since they was kids. What are y'all still kids? I just want to make sure y'all know that. Because um, they feeling out a little bit. And I think they be, feel, you know, they be trying, they be trying your boy. But I remember when they was younger, like, like little kids and, you know, they played sports. And we always had to make sure that they got physicals. And physicals for sports, but also every year for school, we had to make sure that they got their physicals. And every time we would take them to their doctor's appointment for physicals, it was interesting. The first thing that the nurse would do would, was put them on the scale. Because you wanted to check their height and you wanted to check their weight. And then not even that, but I remember taking... Uh, my sons to the doctors for, for fevers, and they had a fever that just Advil and, and Tylenol wouldn't break, and so we took them to the doctor, and the first thing that the doctor does is put them on the scale. I'm like, what does the scale have to do with their fever? Give them, give them something to bring down the fever. I remember one time my oldest son had a hernia. I'm telling all your business. Had a hernia, <laughs> and uh, we had to take him to get surgery, and the first thing that the nurse did when we took him to the doctor for surgery Put them on a scale. And I'm like, well, why are you doing that? On, on some level, of course, their nurse is doing that because they have to check the stature and the height of the child to um, make sure that the ratio or whatever the medicine that they're giving, whatever the anesthesia that they're giving matches the body height and the structure and the stature of, of the child. But on another level, they're doing that because they're expecting that every time they come on that scale every year, that they would, they would grow. Can you imagine my 19-year-old and 17-year-old? Can you imagine them still being in car seats? Can you imagine if they were still 7 pounds and 10 ounces? They couldn't talk. They couldn't walk. Everybody in this room would be like, they're 19 and 17. Something's wrong. That's a sign of, of that something's not right. That, that's a sign that the child is malnutrition or unhealthy. Why? Because there's an expectation that we're going to grow. Well, guess what? God has the same expectation for you and I. God has an expectation that year over year, you wouldn't be singing the same song, memorizing the same scripture. You would move on to something greater. Let me not say move on, add to something great, because you don't never move on from the word. But you should be adding to your repertoire every single year. And so we arrive at a passage here in the book of Philippians where Paul is writing a letter to the church at Philippi. He's the, what I call the gospel globetrotter, one of, one of the, 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 the men in the New Testament that wrote most of the New Testament. And what he's doing is he is trying to warn them, but also crystallize the identity of who Jesus is. Now, you got to understand something about Philippi. They had a ton of false teachers, and they were teaching something contrary than what the gospel taught about who Jesus was, his deity, his hypostatic union, him being fully God and fully man. These false teachers were teaching something different. And so what Paul does is he does two things. Number one, don't miss Paul. Paul understood false teachers because before Acts 9, he was a false teacher. Before, before he got saved, he was a false teacher. So he understood how they thought and how they, how they taught. And so he was able to come at them differently than anybody else. But the second thing he does, and I, I think this is, oh man, just as, as, a, as a person that preaches every week, this is such brilliance of preaching. He uses athletic imagery. 
in the passage talking about pressing and aiming for the goal and running the race, he's, he's, he's using this idea of athletics. And he's using that to capture the attention of the Philippian church because Philippi would have been in close proximity to Greece, which would have exposed them to the Greek athletic games. And so he's not, when you read Philippians, it's not just like Paul is randomly making up this athletic imagery. He's using it. He's contextualizing where they are, which preachers in the room, let me just say contextualization is so important. The reason we come in this room and we try to swag out a little bit is not because we're trying to be cool. It's because contextualization is important. And so what Paul is doing in the, the book of Philippians, he's like, I'm, I got to give them some athletic imagery because that is what they need, because that is what will make sense for them. And so Paul writing this letter to them, his ultimate goal is to help them to grow in their knowledge of Christ. And I believe that that should be the press of the next season that we're going in. I'm talking to us as a church, but I'm talking to you as an individual. The next season of our lives should be growing in him. And here's why I need to say that. Because when I said the title was Greater Head, tell your neighbor Greater Head, y'all was going, oh, I'm getting a promotion. So I'm kidding. I'm finally getting the boo. Like y'all, y'all was, y'all had this, y'all had all this stuff in your mind. But my, my, you know, my season cometh now. But, but what I really was doing was trying to set you up because I need you to understand that the next season ain't satisfying or fulfilling if Jesus ain't in it. So growing in your knowledge of him and growing in your love for him is the most important thing. And I'll say, say it this way. Jesus satisfies the way a boo can't satisfy. I'm, I'm just telling Jesus satisfies in a way a promotion and money and cars cannot satisfy. Jesus digs deep to that void. And he satisfies in a different way. And so I'm talking about greater growth in Christ. Somebody say in Christ. But what Paul does is he lets us in on one of the hindrances to spiritual growth. I want to be careful here because as I'm saying that God is calling Epiphany Church and he's calling those of you who make up Epiphany Church or those of you who are in, those of you who are online, he's calling us to growth. I don't want you to be fooled to think that there aren't hindrances that are weighing against you. There are really two hindrances. Honestly, there's one, but it's a, it's a part B to the one. And that's my points today. I got one and a half points. Here's the first one, verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I made it my own, but one thing I do. Here's the first hindrance to growth. Forgetting what lies behind. Paul suggests to us this morning that one of the hindrances to your growth one of the things that will stifle and stagnate the next season, one of the things that will stop your spiritual progress, please write this down, is becoming complacent with how far you have come that you are no longer pressing to where God wants you to go. Can, can you write that? I thought that was going to hit different. So let me say it again. <laughs> one of the things that will stop your spiritual progress is becoming complacent with how far that you have come, that you are no longer pressing to where you need to go. Now, I have a confession to make. When I first preached this, I actually preached this passage before, and the first time I preached it, I actually preached it out of context. And I didn't mean to, and it hit me this morning. Paul in the text is not suggesting what I first preached. Here's what I first preached. Forgetting those things that lie behind and pressing toward those things that lie ahead. I said, forget those mistakes in your past. 
Forget that past pain. Forget the rejection. Forget that past sin. Press ahead. And we shouted and we walked out and we like, I'm going to forget all that stuff behind me. But that's not what Paul talking about. He's not dealing with that at all. In fact, Paul is not saying forget past mistakes. He's saying forget past success. Because I think what is hindering most of us in the room yeah, some of it is our past mistakes and our, we can't get past them. We need therapy and we need the community and we need the gospel. And yes, and amen, apply all of that. But don't get it twisted. One of the reasons that most of us are stagnant in our faith is because we remember how faithful God was. And we're like, God, you saw me serve in 2022. And so therefore, I need to do nothing else in 2023. And it hinders us. It stops us from growing in him. And that is one of my fears I, got, I was eager to preach this morning because I realized that most of the room, most of the room, maybe not all, but most of the room is stuck and stagnant in a season because you are looking back at a season that was successful. And maybe it's not spiritual. Maybe it's you got to, maybe you did get that promotion. Maybe you did get that boo. You know, maybe God did open up some doors and you're like, you're satisfied. And let me tell you, satisfaction is such a danger. Because what satisfaction will do is make you complacent in a season that had an expiration date that you were supposed to move on from. Y'all hear me? Do not be so like give God glory. Give him praise. He opened the door. He deserves our praise. But don't miss it. God wants you to move that we serve a God of movement. We serve a God of pace. This is why when he set up the universe and he put the planets and the stars in place, he went and everything started moving. Why did he start moving? Because we serve a God of movement. And unfortunately, we get stale and we get stuck. When water sits too long in the same place, it gets bacteria. It gets stale. Water's supposed to flow. It's supposed to move. And I would argue to this room that one of the things God wants from you is to move. Now, listen, Epiphany Church, I am, I am so grateful. I don't, I don't want to miss this. I'm grateful for the past success of Epiphany Church. And let me define success for us. Because success ain't that you came to church this morning, that the seats are filled. That, that's, that's not the definition. That's not the metric. I find the past successes, do you know atheists have given their life to the Lord in Epiphany Church? Do you know people have come out of cults in Epiphany Church? Do you know people have come out of witchcraft in Epiphany Church? Do you know people have been challenged and overcome addictions in a pivot? Do you know marriages have been restored? Do you know children have given their life to the Lord and got baptized at a pivot? I am grateful for all that God has done through this church. But if you think that I'm going to let the past wins stop future ones, the devil is a liar. There's more people that need to be saved. There's more gospel to be preached. There's more Bible that we need to work through. There's more disciples that need to be made. There's more deacons that need to be raised up. There's more elders and leaders that need to be added on. God, we don't want to be satisfied in this season. We want the more. Because there is more. Somebody say there's greater ahead. So Paul says, look, man, forgetting those things that lie behind. Epiphany Church, forget those things. Move on. Move, move, move on to some success, some th to seasons of success in the future because I got more for you to do. And, and, and individuals, that's the same for you. Do not get stuck in that one season. I know you spiritually grew in 2022. Praise God. But 2023 growth can be greater than 2022 growth. 
Because God never expects year over year that you would be the same, boo-boo. God doesn't expect that you got the same verse. I memorized it. And God is like, okay, you memorized it in 2022. But 2023, I need you to apply it. And I need you to memorize some more. And then I need you to apply them. That is spiritual growth. And I am less interested in pastoring a church that is complacent and satisfied with past wins. And we're not moving forward with future wins. What is future wins? Being connected to Christ and the Holy Spirit and allow him to guide your life. That's what I want to see. Could care less about a room being filled. I want to see Brooklyn be reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see y'all get out of here and actually do ministry our next season is going to be greater. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man what God has prepared. The greater ahead means that we cannot get complacent. And so Paul says, look, I refuse. I refuse to be settled here. Money and jobs, past jobs and applause of people in the past does not dictate how I move in the future. I praise God for it. I give God honor for it because everything I am, God made me and everything I have, God gave me. And so I praise God for it, but I am continuing to move. And in 2023, honestly, I feel like I'm on this point too long. In 2023, I, I, I really, I genuinely feel like some of us the first quarter of this year have done nothing different spiritually than we did in 2022. Can I pass to the room for a second? I feel like there's a majority of people in the room that are doing the exact same thing that we did in 2022. You still stuck in that season? So for God, a movement. Move, move, move past. Don't be doing the same stuff. I want the more of God. So the first thing that will stop you from pressing is becoming complacent with how far that you have come that you no longer are pressing to where you need to go. Here's what Paul says. I press, he says, uh, forgetting the things that lie behind and straining forward to the thing that lies ahead. Here's the second thing that Paul says will stop you. This is point B, okay? It's not a new, new point, it's a similar point. Here it is. Your religious adherence when you make that synonymous with actual spiritual growth. I knew that was going to hit right. I think that there's a majority of people in the room that genuinely feel like I'm spiritually growing. Why? Because you do a bunch of religious stuff. And you think the religious stuff means that you are spiritually growing. Watch what Paul says here in verse number four. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul is filling himself here. He's about to give you his religious resume. Watch what he says. Here's his religious resume. Verse five, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Watch what Paul just did. He literally pulled out spiritual receipts. And he said, look, y'all think that y'all got some stuff to boast in? Y'all think that y'all got some stuff that you can say, yeah, man, God, I, I killed it in the last season. Paul is like, put your spiritual resume next to mine. You, it, you can't, you can't live up to what I'm able to do. Paul gives us his resume. And he, through his resume, he walks through a lot of stuff and we read it and we think that it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not deep. But man, do you understand that he just said, he, he just said in the text that I was circumcised on the eighth day, meaning I adhere to what the Abrahamic covenant was in, act, in, in Genesis chapter 17, which was God said that every male boy should be circumcised on the eighth day. Do you know even Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day? And so what 
Paul is saying is before I even had acknowledgement that I was going to kill the game, my parents already were aware enough to keep me connected to the Abrahamic law. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I killed it. He says, here's the second thing. He says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, before Diddy, Little Kim and Big saying all about the Benjamins, Paul was all about the Benjamins, meaning the tribe of Benjamin, which was a elite tribe. He says, look, I know you're a Hebrew. Watch what Paul says. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, as to the law, I was a Pharisee, meaning I studied the law rigorously. Now, I know some of you on your 365-day uh, uh, devotional plan to go through the whole Bible, but do you realize when Paul says that I am a Pharisee as it relates to the law, meaning I didn't read the law, I memorized it. Do you know to be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, let me go back, Leviticus? You had to memorize that. Paul says, as to the law, I memorized Moses' writings because I am a Pharisee. He says, as to zeal, I'm a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I'm blameless. Now listen, if you want to take your religiosity and say, you know what, I came to church today and I served and put that up against Paul, he will roll you up and smoke you. Because Paul is like, yo, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm, 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 I'm blameless as it relates to righteousness. He's bragging and boasting on his religious credentials. But you got to understand something. His religious credentials did not save him because later on he's going to say, all of this is rubbish. Everything I just named doesn't even matter anymore. Why? For the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And here is my fear, Epiphany Church. My fear is that we will grow in our expressive worship and we will grow in our charisma and we will grow in our religiosity and growing and coming to church. And after a while, we will think that that is spiritual growth, but that ain't spiritual growth. Listen, I know a whole lot of people that come to church and ain't got an ounce of Jesus in their heart. A whole lot. I know a whole lot of religious people that know how to shuck and buck and, and jump and shout and do all of that and will walk out of here and cuss you out on Atlantic Avenue. No, they cuss you out in the lobby. I know people that will cuss you out in the lobby real tall. There are, there are a whole lot of people that come to church and we automatically think that that equates spiritual maturity, but spiritual maturity has nothing to do with religiosity. Spiritual maturity has everything to do with looking more like Jesus. I need somebody to say amen right there. Epiphany, we're growing in our charisma, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we are, we are growing in our expressive worship. Y'all was a little dry today, but we're growing in our expressive worship. I'm just saying, last week, Caleb ran around the... Y'all seen that? And he got over here and did a little sweet move, and it kept on running. I'm serious. We are growing in our charisma, and I, I honestly am grateful. A couple Sundays before that, over in this area, it was... A, some people that were worshiping, Cameron, I think he was over here, and they was getting down. I mean, I feel like they was doing an 80s battle. It was like, boom. They was hitting like, they was doing, I was like, yo, they killing it when I walked in. And they was doing all that, and I'm like, yo, praise. Like, I am so grateful that we are starting to become more expressive. Why? Because we serve a good, merciful Savior that deserves my run, that deserves my shout, that deserves my praise. But I want to put it in perspective for us. Do not equate that and make that synonymous with spiritual growth. Because there are a lot of people that are religious and do not know who Jesus is. And what religion will teach you is religion can teach you some things, but it can't teach you how to grow in Christ. 
Can I give y'all my, my, my conversion story? I feel like I've, I've told y'all a bunch of times, but it, there's some newer faces in the room, so maybe you haven't heard this. I was, I was born and raised in church, like legit. My, my, my father was in the military, so we bounced around, and every place that he, we landed, he always plugged us into a church. In fact, he was on the Baptist ministerial staff. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Deacon Tillery would walk in with the choir and do the whole thing with the white gloves. Like, that's the, that's the kind of church I came from. I'm saying it was really his name was Deacon Tillery. That's serious. My mother played the piano and, and she could and she could, you know, con- conduct the choir. And back then we didn't have the worship team. We had praise and worship and praise and worship. You didn't even have to practice for that. Somebody jump up and start singing. And everybody start singing. Y'all don't know nothing about that kind of church. And so we, we would we, we would have. all. And I grew up and I, honestly, I had a false sense of security. I thought I knew Jesus because I knew church. I knew how to lift my hands. I knew what to say, man. I knew the right moments to jump in. Like I, I knew that stuff. But it wasn't until the age of 28 when I was on my way out of the church and a, and a, and a, and a friend stopped me and started to share the gospel with me, which was kind of weird because I'm like, bro, I know Jesus. I'm, I'm born and raised in church. Go talk to the dude down the street. And he started asking me questions that I realized I didn't know Jesus. I knew religion. I knew church lingo. I knew how to fake it. I knew how to get in seasons where I was in deep sin, but I still showed up to choir rehearsal. Oh, y'all ain't never been in, y'all be in deepness when y'all ain't never been in no seasons where you've been in deep sin. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking deep sin and nobody else knew about it, but yet you still showed up. I've been in no seasons. And it was a friend in the parking lot of the church that shared the gospel with me and showed me my religion doesn't save me. What saves me is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You cannot truly measure spiritual growth by religion. I'm telling y'all. You can't measure it. And if you think Sunday morning is the metric to your Christianity, you missed it. Jesus is the metric to my Christianity. He says, Paul lays out his religious resume, Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, blameless. Zeal, persecuted the church. Tribe of Benjamin. I ain't one of them whack tribes. I'm tribe of Benjamin. Your religiosity, holding that stuff up as spiritual growth will hinder your spiritual growth. So Christ didn't save you so you can be more religious. He saved you so you can look more like Jesus. And there's a difference. If y'all don't hear anything else I said, and y'all walk out of here like, I don't remember everything he said. Remember this. Christ did not save you to be more religious. He saved you so you can look more like him. And here's the thing. Religious people are usually the one the world judges the church on anyway. Y'all, y'all know that, right? When they be like, oh, man, the church is so hypocritical. The church is so judgmental. They're typically talking about religion, religious people. Because let me let you in on a secret. If those of you in the room going, I ain't a believer, and yeah, I do think the church is judgmental. Trust me, Christians inside the church think religious people are weird, judgmental, and hypocritical too. So we, we align. We're here. We're good. We, we think the same thing. And part of what God wants to do for Epiphany Church and for you individually is to help us to grow up in our spiritual, in our spiritual awakening. Okay, Pastor B, what, what does, if religion isn't the goal, right? If coming to church isn't the goal, you kind of take, you took away some things from me. What is the goal? Here's the goal. Verse 14. Let me jump down. Verse 8. He says, indeed, I count everything as a loss. Well, why, Paul? Here it is. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. He says, for this sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He's the goal. 
and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. Please remember that he said this, because this is becoming important. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Remember, he just said as to the, as to righteousness, as to the law, he was righteous. Remember, he said that? Now he says, I counted that as rubbish, and Christ is my righteousness. Jump down to verse uh, 14. I press toward the goal of the prize for the upward call in Christ Jesus. So Paul is like, look, forget all that religious stuff I did. Forget all my past success. What drives me in the future is Jesus and Jesus alone. You want a successful 2023? What you need is more Jesus. I need a t-shirt. Anybody that's a graphic designer in here, I need a t-shirt that says more Jesus. And just give me that. I'll wear it every day. I'll wash it. But I'll wear it every day. Every day. More Jesus, because I believe that that is what God is calling us for. Many of us are so satisfied with the Jesus that we knew in 2022. Thank God for Yolanda and the class that we have today. Here's the class. What you think you know? Oh, come on. Thank God for Yolanda. Amen. Praise God. She kills the game. She walks heavy in these biblical streets. But here's what Yolanda is going to teach us today. That what you think you know about Jesus, he's more. He's much more. You know, the reason in, 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 the, in the mornings I like to get up and spend time with the Lord, and it's not because I'm so virtuous or so, so spiritually mature or even so disciplined. Honestly, I'm not. I will argue to the day I die, Ty is 10 times more disciplined, spiritually disciplined and spiritually mature than me. But the reason I get up and I spend time with the Lord every single day is because this is going to be deep. I actually love him. Like, I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not playing with this. I gen he is the most beautiful thing in my life. He's the most gracious person I know. He's the most fulfilling person. He gives me satisfaction. And if you don't spend time with Jesus every single day, I want to implore you to do so because he's that dude. He really is. And so when I talk about he is the goal, I'm not talking about it from some theological place, place that's far up there. When is that thing going to become practical to you? When is he actually going to be the goal? Because some of us in this room have so many goals that we set. And I praise God, like I'm the type of person that likes goals. Set your goals. But if Jesus ain't the top priority of that goal, I'm telling you all of your pursuit is vain. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't care how much money you make, how many promotions you get. I don't care if your boo got a six pack and abs and sitting on the Ebony magazine with it. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't care if that's your boo. Let me, just, let me just be very clear with you that all of that stuff pales in the comparison. Look at what Paul says. Yo, it's rubbish, man. It's, it's rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He says, Christ is my righteousness. Now, here's why that's so deep. And I'm landing the plane. Here's why that's so deep. Because Jesus will say later on to people who wanted to live by the law, people who wanted to live by religion, he says in Matthew chapter 5, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, that's not some work-based uh, uh, verse that we have to strive for the love of God. That's saying if you want to live by religion and law-keeping and rules, you got to do it better and tighter than the Pharisees. I just said to you all, the Pharisees memorized the whole first uh, five books of the Bible. Y'all know we can't live up. And this is why we need an external righteousness. We need something from the outside. Because what God is really calling for is perfection, not good. And when it comes to perfection, there's nobody in this room. Forget this room. There's no infant upstairs 
There's no baby upstairs. There's no toddler upstairs. There's no child upstairs. That is perfect. I need a parent to say amen right there. None of us are perfect. So if none of us are perfect and the standard in which God calls us to his righteousness is holiness, is blameless, is perfect. How in the world can I be accepted? Here's why we worship Jesus, because Jesus is how I am accepted. I get to stand before God as though I live like Jesus and he stood on a cross and was condemned as though he lived like you. That is the gospel. So what we need is that external righteousness that gives us liberty and life. I just want to repeat one of the things I told you to write, and then we're going to, we're going to pray. I want to pre- you, you can use our plan. I, I want to re-read one of the things that I said earlier. I said, I genuinely believe that the next season of our church and the next season of your life has the potential to be greater. I want you to note the word potential. This isn't some prosperity, your season cometh. This is, it has the potential. Well, well what would make it greater? Your press. Paul, that's what Paul says. Paul says, I press, I strive, I strain. Where is uh, 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 Chelsea? Chelsea, when you were talking about that comfortable Christianity, I felt like the Lord was speaking through her. Because some of us, we really want the comfortable Christianity. We really want the Jesus that we've invented in our mind. You know why? Because if I can admit Jesus in my mind, I can control that Jesus. Jesus, Jesus don't want to be controlled by you. He don't even want to sit in the passenger seat. You know how people say, take the will of Jesus? He wants to take the will of your life. And there's somebody, I'm not even doing an altar call. All of us are on the altar today. You know why? Because I genuinely believe that many of us are going through 2023 and have done nothing spiritually different. Not everybody. There's, there's a group of us. And I think, I think God wants to do something in this room. Every head bow and every eye closed. Worship team, y'all come on up. Paul says, I press. Are you really growing in God? Or are you just going through the motions? Can I say that again? Are you really growing in God? Or are you just going through the motions? Colin, I've been there. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there where... I was just coasting. I was just going through the motions. And can I warn you, Epiphany Church, young people, hear me. And those of you online, please hear me. The seasons where you're comfortable and not growing and just coasting are the seasons you are most vulnerable to sin. Telling you. And don't be sitting here going, I ain't never going to fall. The devil is like, yeah, you will. Oh, yeah, he's crafty. He's cunning. He wants you. This is why the Bible says that the devil desires to sift us as men sift we. He don't want to play games with. He wants to mold you over and mangle you. What I need is a press. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. We're all on the altar today because all of us are guilty of being satisfied with past successful seasons. All of us are guilty of pulling out a religious resume and having a spirit of entitlement saying, look, God, you see what I did for you. See that I came to church. You saw that I took notes. You, you, you saw that I served. You saw that I gave. You saw that I sacrificed. You saw that I came to small. And we go, oh Lord, we go through all of this stuff. And what you're calling us to is something so much more deeper. You're calling us to strain and press after you. So Father, we pray for forgiveness this morning, this afternoon. 
Would you forgive us, oh God, of being satisfied with where we are, where and where we are, and help us to grow. And Father, I pray for us as a church. I pray for us as a church. Pray for keep us, keep us growing in you. Lord, let us not be impressed by numbers. Let us not be impressed by, by packed rooms, but let us be impressed by you. Let us be in awe and enamored with who you are. That's the goal. Lord, do things that are beyond us. Do things that are incredible. Lord, I thank you for the work that you have done in our church in the last seven years. But I pray the next seven will be greater. I pray that same thing for the individuals in this room. Pray for greater. And as greater, Lord, I mean a greater pursuit of you. Because that is where satisfaction is. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.